Alex and B. Frank show. A lot going on in the world of college basketball. Start with Mac McClung. We talked about last week. Chris Beard gets another transfer. It's you know it's just uncanny. We we talk about Chris Beard how how quickly he's turned around Texas Tech and and how they have essentially competed in a very short period of time for all the elite transfers and recruits in the country. Definitely. Still work to do on the recruiting front, but they are currently in the top five of the number one prospect in the 2021 class, Jonathan Kaminga. So obviously on the up and up, and again, just lands another solid transfer. He's got Jamarius Burton as well, who's another sit out. The backcourt looks terrifying uh, next, not next season, but the following year. And he's just continuing to tear it up on the recruiting trail, whether it is transfers or uh, just high school recruits. We'll see if, if he can land Kaminga, that would be probably the biggest coup we've seen in college basketball in the last decade. And it's not it's not a negative necessarily against Texas Tech. It's just who would have thought that Texas Tech would land the number one recruit when when there are other blue blood programs and then Auburn's another like up and comer, I guess you could say, with Bruce Pearl and a paid option in the G League to compete with. And he goes to, and he chooses to go play in Lubbock, Texas. I I have to shout out my my boy CTC. If we're talking about coups, it didn't happen that well. But Anthony Edwards to Georgia is uh, pretty pretty big for a program of that prestige. But yeah, it it seems like in every either high level transfer or even getting into elite recruits, there are three you know not blue blood schools that always seem to be in the mix. It's Texas Tech, it's Auburn, it's Memphis. Mm-hmm. Those guys are are really there every time. And yeah, I mean you. You throw enough darts, you're gonna you're gonna get some good players, and and Mac McClung is that. You mentioned Burton from Wichita State as well, and at Texas's Tech peak, at Texas Tech's peak, they had two transfers that were making huge impacts. Grad transfers, Mooney and Tariq Owens, um, and yeah, that's that's kind of the program that it seems like Beard wants to turn this into. As coaches at several schools have shown, that is a good way to build a program, certainly a non-traditional power. Hoiberg at Iowa State, Musselman at Nevada, um, and and now Musselman starting to do again at, at Arkansas, getting on a bunch of transfers. When you don't necessarily have the, the brand name to lure everyone out of high school, transfer market's a good way to go. Chris Beard, like you said, is is taking that one step further, and he is getting in on the elite of the elite recruits too. So, I mean, Texas Tech is in great shape for the next however long he decides to stay there yeah i think that's the the big question now is what what becomes too you know getting too big too fast for chris beard well i guess in texas tech's case what is that you know level is it another final four in the next couple years is it winning a title what is it because there are quite a few high profile coaches that are on the older side of the spectrum and there are going to be some blue blood marquee jobs that will be opening up presumably in the next 5 to 10 years and you know at this level of success it's hard to think that Chris Beard would not be a finalist for one if not multiple of these jobs and really almost have his pick of the the crop i mean Texas Tech before he got there they hadn't been to a Sweet 16 since 2005. They'd never been to the Elite Eight. They have done all of that, including the Final Four and National Runner-Up. So what he's done in a short period of time, I mean, it was it's just his fourth season going to be his fifth. And I don't think he's had a losing record yet at Texas Tech, actually. So 
Yeah, 18 and 14 in his first year. Second year, 27 and 10 with an elite eight. Third year, 31 and seven, national runner up. And then last year, they were 18 and 13. Obviously, not, you know, struggling a little bit in the tough Big 12, but certainly on their way to an NCAA tournament. And once you get there, who knows what can happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, he's done a great job for himself and is building up for great success in the next few years with, you know, what he's, he's done in terms of roster construction. Um, I, I haven't really seen anything that would indicate he has interest in going anywhere else. Obviously, there's the caveat that this is a guy that has uh, thrown some head fakes before, shout out UNLV. But I mean, this is a, he, he's a night disciple. This is a, a night. Bob Knight is the only one who's taken the program to anything resembling competence. And Beard's already eclipsed that. I, I mean, I don't see right now anywhere that he would be a better fit at than he is right now in terms of like elite elite programs i don't i don't know if chris beard really strikes me as that guy to you know hypothetically be running the show at duke or something like that um, i can't but, see that but I, yeah. I get your point like it it feels like a, a and this is i guess a little bit of a dated now um reference but it feels like a little bit of greg marshall where he doesn't necessarily want to jump into like that next tier of teams granted texas tech is better and in a better position and a better conference than Wichita State, but it seems like he doesn't necessarily want to make that jump into like the the next tier of teams and is comfortable staying and performing very well at the current level. Yeah, that that's kind of the danger and the difference for for a guy like Greg Marshall. You're you're still in the second tier of conferences. So logically, it would have made sense for him to jump up when he had the opportunity to Porter Moser, Loyola, same thing. Yeah. Like, you're never going to have a better season than making the final four at Loyola. So like be like Andy Enfield and take advantage and, and get mm-hmm. that. But you know, Andy Enfield, who still has a job at USC, might we add? Probably. They they could have made the tournament this year. Can't yeah. say for sure that they wouldn't have. So <laughs> you're right. You're right. Hang, to that. hang a banner for it. Um, yeah, but Texas Tech in the Big 12, that's, that's elite level of competition each and every year, and they've already proven – underbeard that they can be the team to beat in that conference so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily anything stepping up more prestigious in conference just opportunities will arise he's going to get calls if they continue on the current trajectory for i guess more esteemed programs but again like he seems comfortable doing what he's doing i don't i don't really see why he would he would do anything else and i mean when you when you look at the roster he's gotten, the the guys waiting in the wings. Like this is this is a team that's going to give continue to give Kansas fits. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they are primed to be the com- like top competition against Bill Self and Kansas for the next m- multiple years. I mean, Baylor obviously next year is still going to be very good. I am waiting to see if Scott Drew can add more talent. I'm not going to say I'm waiting to see if Scott Drew is a good coach. But I'm waiting to see what what he does, um, what he does following up this two year run, assuming that this upcoming season they perform as expected. Yeah, still have to get Scott Trio on the program to just ask him that straight up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's kind of been a, a question in in Kansas's reign of terror, which was technically stopped. But I mean, we're still at what like 14 and 15 years or something ridiculous. Yeah. It's always been a lot of, you know, one and two year runs of schools challenging them um, or, or being 
tabbed as the team to end the streak. You know, Oklahoma State had a minute there with Marcus Smart um, and, and other schools of that nature, but K State couldn't, yeah, couldn't yeah, avoid K- injuries. K State and Texas Tech were actually able to to dethrone them, but yeah, if if Texas Tech can be a long running foil to Bill Self's Kansas Jayhawks, I think that would be just a, a fascinating rivalry if it can develop into something like that. Yeah, and not to, not to bring it to like always come back to the Big East, but it kind of feels similar in the Big East in a way where it's like Villanova is clearly the top team, but who would you say is the second best program there? It's kind of hard to say at this point, yeah. and you also can't really say in the Big 12 either. If you're going off recent yeah, success, what's that? That's the meme, yeah. We're always right. trying to figure out the second best team. Yeah, so it's like is, you know, Baylor's obviously had a nice little run. Texas Tech is on a good run, and it's been a little longer. Um, Kansas State has fallen off a little bit. Iowa State has fallen off without uh, over the last couple of years. They still have bring, brought in talent. It's like Texas, what are they? You know, is Texas back? Probably not, and so on and so forth throughout the rest of the league. West Virginia is like very up and down recently, but you can't point to that other team, and it's like that's who's going to be the competitor to – uh, Kansas or Villanova moving forward. And it feels like Texas Tech is starting to assert themselves in that category. Yeah, and that, that's why Kansas is as dominant as they are because they're just, yeah. listen, if you mm-hmm. put out you know, a variation of the same team every single year, turns out you're going to be pretty successful. Shocker. It is surprising. Um, elsewhere, Johnny Yuzang, um going to be playing immediately at UCLA. Received his waiver, uh, so the Kentucky transfer will be transferring to a, to a school that allows him to be closer to his family. That was part of the reasoning for why his his waiver was approved. Um, not a not a bad pickup for for Mick Cronin, especially when you consider now that he gets to play right away. Definitely what they needed. I mean, he is a, a he came in from high school as a premier shooter in that class and didn't really get to sh- didn't really show it off when he could and didn't get many opportunities at Kentucky. You have to imagine he's going to have more chances to play at UCLA just given the talent disparity, although there is still good talent on this UCLA team. Again, I'm always interested to see how these offensive-minded guys work with a Mick Cronin because of the fact that his style of play doesn't necessarily suit that. I mean, if this is three years ago at UCLA, I am all in. I mean, he, he Yuzang's going to be one of the top scorers in the country, and it's going to be fun to watch, and holy cow, like, this, this is going to be great. Now I am hesitant because of the fact that I don't know what McCronin is going to do. Yeah, and that's ultimately what I think he's going to have to decide if he wants to last at UCLA long-term is, is he going to adjust his style to – his roster because when you are able to get the quality of players and recruits that UCLA will, it's a lot tougher to, to get them to play, you know, just a rock fight every game. Mm-hmm. Not obviously there are big name programs, um, power six programs, at least where that is the norm. I mean, Tony Bennett has just set up shop and will be there into eternity doing just that. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a less ideal fit than it would have been otherwise um, a couple of years ago. But when you, when you're trying to replace a talent like uh, Deshaun Nix, it's, it helps offset that a little bit um, being yeah. able to, to get some offense 
back into the roster. But yeah, I mean, this this is a guy that kind of got lost in the shuffle at Kentucky with how talented that roster is. And if you're Mick Cronin, you, you definitely want and are, are hoping that he will kind of find the next gear that, that made him such a highly coveted recruit in the first place. Now that he has a little more opportunity to shine. And in Mick Cronin's defense, he sort of did start to like let up on his style, you know, forcing his style on his team last season. And that's where we really saw yeah. UCLA open it up. And, you know, for, for a while, they were top of the Pac-12, <laughs> you know, competing for, for the, the uh, Pac-12 title. And obviously things didn't work out that way, but they were in it. And they were a top, you know, top four for most of that second half of the season as things got rolling. And sure, the the league wasn't that great last year outside of you know Arizona, and uh, I can't even think Stanford was pretty good. And it it just put the whole Pac-12 out of the out of my mind. Colorado, Oregon, yeah. So UCLA went on that run where they could you know pick up some confidence and beat a couple teams that are definitely below them in the league. And next thing you know, they're they're top of Pac-12, but. Huge pickup. Huge that uh, the NCAA con- continues to be inconsistent on their waivers and that it happened to work out in UCLA's favor. Conspiracy me wants to say that this is the NCAA trying to make UCLA relevant again. Rational me thinks that this is just the NCAA not realizing what they're doing. Yeah, I I would I would generally go with the latter, but right. Who's to say? It's it's been a it's been a rough go of it for UCLA for some time now. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe I'll try to turn that around. Speaking of blue blood programs, um, one of them has has scheduled a basketball series that will require them to play a true road game within the state of Indiana. Interestingly enough, it is Kentucky, but they are not going to be going to Bloomington because Coach Cal is still a coward. They will be going to Notre Dame. Um, three game series this year at Rupp, neutral site in between, and then going to Notre Dame in 2022. Um, just masterful trill job. I have to Re- Yeah, really, the only thing that needs to be said is what are what are your thoughts as an Indian? I mean, you kind of gave it off the top that Coach Cal is a coward, but, I mean, yeah. they're, they're running out of teams to play in the state of Indiana. Yeah. They can't play Evansville anymore. <sighs> I mean, that's, that's still just one of the funniest things to ever happen is that Evansville – goes into Rupp, beats the number one team in the country, and then loses every single game in their conference. That's just I, – I don't know how that doesn't get talked about more. And and people do forget that Evansville was receiving votes in the AP poll after that win. Yeah. I mean, it is – it's truly incredible sometimes what uh, what the Associated Press can do. They were as high as number 10. Yeah. Uh, do, we, do we know who's, uh, whose ballot that was? That was Jack Ebling, who is in uh, Lansing, Michigan. I think at some point they have to start doing "quote unquote" random drug tests for AP voters. <laughs> I'm all for that. Some of the some of the stuff we like go over on this show. Just what are these people doing? But anyway, I don't even um, think they know some of the times. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's the danger. Um, not not a lot of history here, other than 2015 Elite Eight was. An instant classic, unbelievable game. Pat Connaughton just yamming on people. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a precursor for the team that said it was going to go 40-0, and losing to Wisconsin in the next round. Um, I mean, just from a basketball perspective, Notre Dame is, uh, is on a little bit of a downturn. So this seems to be something that Kentucky will win handily, but I don't know if 
you know, the fact that Bray has three years to build up to a home game against Kentucky, rosters will probably look a lot different by that point. So could see some more magic, who's to say. Don't be surprised if this neutral site game is at Madison Square Garden either, because it feels like every other year Kentucky's getting a neutral site game at MSG. And they lose those sometimes to teams that they absolutely should not lose yeah. to. Yeah, and I mean Notre Dame's got alumni out there, so that would that would yeah. make sense. Um, yeah, I I don't know if, if they... I prefer it elsewhere, but I yeah. I just in the back of my mind that feels like what's going to happen. If they really want to just lean into the troll, it should play to Banker's Life in Indy. Yep. Um, or or we could get like a less random Dayton, Colorado at the United Center. Because mm-hmm. Notre Dame is like sometimes considered a, a Chicago adjacent team, but yeah, no, that's. Uh, I mean, credit credit to that whatever that was that uh, brought in Dayton, Colorado. That was a hell of a game. I I completely forgot that was a thing until I saw. It was on. Yeah, I I saw on Twitter that day that Rothstein was talking about how he's doing double duty with Dayton. Oh Colorado yes, and DePaul Northwestern. It's like, wait a second, those are not remotely close to each other. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, they're playing at the United Center randomly. Right. Yeah, it was, Dayton never lost in regulation. That was uh, that was an overtime loss. Correct. From a, a former star Dayton recruit, McKinley Wright. It was full him. circle. Yeah, Archie Miller, still at Indiana. Um, <laughs> other transfer news, Andrew Nemhard transferring from Florida. Um, this is the the new front runner for... I mean, most desirable player on the market. Yep. It seems like we get one-upped every week. This also feels like the perfect Gonzaga transfer. Every offseason, there is one. Nemard feels like that guy this year. I mean, how much was he handcuffed by playing in that Florida offensive system? And how much can he open up and thrive playing in Gonzaga's style? I mean, it, it feels like night and day and almost... Almost Mark View's recruiting job should just be like, here, watch this game film of all the awesome guards we've had over the last 15 years and then see yourself in our offense. Yeah, I mean, he he took an official visit to Gonzaga when he was recruiting high school. Um, but it's it's yeah. a pretty it's a pretty heavy list of or a pretty strong list of heavy hitters. Um, in addition to Gonzaga, you've got Duke, Oregon, UCLA, USC, Memphis, and then Another team trying to replace a uh, a strong guard in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, so we just talked about young Mac McClung. Don't know how desirable it is to go there with uh, you know potentially butting heads. But yeah, it's uh, it, it it was it was just not a good fit at Florida for Nemhard, and that's ultimately boiled down to um, just never could seem to get on the same page as what Mike White wants to do in terms of tempo. And I mean, wherever he goes, it's going to be a phenomenal pickup for that school. I think it's going to be very difficult for Duke to lose out here based on precedent of, I mean, Wave's hand. But it would be uh, be wonderful if he ended up at Gonzaga. I would not be unhappy. It's, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think it feels like this offseason, especially just given, you know, coronavirus and everything where these on-campus visits aren't really happening, most recruits are leaning on their previous experiences, you know, coming out of high school. What was it like when you visited, you know? Um, and, and Gonzaga certainly has a leg up in that arena, 
but it's also, you know, Duke is also a tough competitor. <laughs> you know, they, they can also point to a lot of good guards and be like, well, look at our guard play, you know? And, and I think it, it feels like it's got to be one of those two. I wouldn't, I won't be surprised if he goes to Duke, uh, pull the old Stephen A. It'll be either Duke or Gonzaga, though. Is, if that's what I'm going to, I'm going to put my name out there and say Duke or Gonzaga for, for Nemhard. Yeah. Uh, also took an official to USC back when he was um, mm-hmm. high school. So, that might play in their favor, but I don't know. It's it's not on the level of of the other programs. I think you you got to put Gonzaga and Duke in terms of prestige above everybody else. Oregon under Dana Altman is, I mean, decently comparable. They they haven't they haven't been too shabby themselves. But I would uh, I would have to assume that it'll be Gonzaga or Duke. Um, yeah, I mean, John Shire just call and be like, here are the last you know, seven NBA guards that I mentored, like, right. Come, come join the fun. Um, so that's, it's a pretty, pretty easy selling point. And it's not like you have to step foot on Duke's campus to start to be yep. on Duke. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, the brotherhood. You can still drop bags via, you know, wire transfer or whatever else. So, <laughs> whatever it is nowadays. Where there's a will, there's a way. Um, last Last real basketball thing, um, Nike, EYBL, canceled the entire 2020 season. Obviously, had already missed some events and uh, some of the bigger events in April, but now making it official after the NCAA had gone ahead and already canceled the the July basketball evaluation period anyway. Yeah, just uh, continuing the trend of it being the weirdest offseason in college basketball. We're missing out on all those big events, the Peach Jam is probably the most notable of all of those and it's like a you know this is this is the time for high school juniors to really get on radars so it i don't know necessarily that guys will be more under the radar but it feels like that's what it is coming to that you'll have these guys you know explode or seemingly explode during their senior seasons and a gra- you know a grassroots tournament could have helped un- helped uncover these guys for other teams. So it feels like a-, a good opportunity for local schools to cash in on local talent. Yeah, you're just not going to be seeing the typical offseason risers that you might have from yep. these events. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this affects recruiting. They're talking about potentially like every sporting organization is that's been suspended because of this. Talking about potentially holding events later um you know potentially august september october basically any month leading up to the actual high school basketball season but i if i were a betting man and i mean 11 months out of the year i am i would i would think that probably won't yeah i would uh stick on your side as well don't just don't see how it will work out um so yeah that it's this is this is all pretty brand new, um, uncharted territory. So I I really don't know what kind of impact we're going to see in the recruiting world. But it's uh, yeah could could give a leg up to local schools going after local guys. We've seen it already a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys sticking closer to home in terms of well, depending on I guess depending on their recruitments. But yeah, um, we've seen a, seen it a little bit already, and it'll it'll be something to watch for as we move forward. Uh, in football news, uh, not great news for Davos Sweeney. Justin Ross out for the season, possibly career-threatening um, injury issues had since birth with his spine. The kind of kind of scary stuff. Yeah, definitely not the things you want to be hearing for a guy who looked poised to be 
basically the next big receiver out of Clemson now that T. Higgins is gone. A uh, huge hole in that offense that looked like Ross was going to replace, and now they need someone to replace Ross. So not necessarily like I wouldn't be totally worried just out for you know an outside perspective of Clemson filling the role with talent but it's you know it's a person's life here so you, you feel bad for Justin Ross you feel bad I guess a little bit for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson because they lose out you know that their potential top playmaker but really it's all about Justin Ross here you, you hope that the surgery goes well this week and that uh, it's not the worst case scenario but these things just come up and uh, at least it was caught before, you know, any, any further issues could be done and hopefully the medical team can, can get them through it. Yeah. From, from a little bit of uh, skimming through analysis from people with actual medical knowledge, which I do not possess. Neither seems, do I disclaimer. Like people are, uh, are optimistic that this won't be career ending, which be great as you said very talented football player um you know basically burst on the scene immediately as a freshman um so you definitely hope that with who knows if college football is even going to be played this year anyway but it will that's yeah i mean buddy (laughs) i would like it to be um but i i I definitely hope that you know when when january february comes around he's he's feeling better and ready to to ramp up for the draft. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's all you can ask for at this point that uh, we get positive news out of the surgery. And then, you know, Justin, it, the biggest thing too is he takes it slow and rehabs the, the proper way. I don't, again, like we said, we're not medical experts. We don't know a ton about this, but it is like a neck and spine thing. So anytime I hear those, either of those words, it is caution, is, is my biggest takeaway is be cautious, don't force it. And just, you know, one day at a time, any of the other cliches that basically mean take it slow and go through the proper motion. Yes. Every every cliche except rub some dirt on it. And exactly. That one does not work here. Um, yeah. So definitely something to keep an eye on leading up to the college football season. Still, I if it happens, which it should, I hope, um, I, I still don't think it'll look like a normal college football season at all um obviously fan perspective but also just with the way the schedule is is set up I, i'd be shocked if it's able to just be played as scheduled so we'll see how big of a loss this is for clemson um uh, yeah hopefully not career ending for justin wrong um finally the the college basketball simulation that we are both a part of started to kick off today no games have been played yet but the the offseason part of year one has begun, started working on, you know, player development, recruiting strategy, program integrity, which is a big piece here. Basically, <laughs> will, will you be dropping bags or not? And my program integrity is a one. So the answer to that is a resounding yes program or uh, postseason ban incoming, but don't care. We're, we're building for the future. It is. It's a uh, minor setback for a major comeback, as the famous Johnny Manziel did not say. We uh, we want the the other route. We are not a perfectly clean program, but we are cl- we are on the clean side. I went with a four in terms of my integrity, and uh, I think I mean we talked about it this morning, and that you know off off air feels like you cannot be a centrist in this. You've got to go one way or the other. And it is, it was very difficult for me to choose which side I wanted to be on in terms of like JUCO guys versus high school guys or player development versus recruiting and, you know, what I'm looking for. Because, because my team is, you know, randomly was able to be talented 
I now have to wonder, do I play it like I, you know, like this is a true top 15 program or is this, you know, a flash in the pan kind of thing? It's hard to say. I, I think, yeah, the the takeaway I had was just don't be boring. If you're, oh, yeah. if you're just getting middle of the road on everything, like what are you even doing? Um, so my team is projected to suck. So there is much less risk of just bag dropping, but I would have to say if I ever do get to the point where I'm preseason top 15 and percentage-wise, there is a very, very good chance to be playing in the postseason, why take that risk? Right. And I, you know, it was close too because I almost want a five to be, you know, perfectly clean and not even have to worry about it. But it's like, you know, it still does play a factor in your ability to recruit and we're losing some good players and there's some good players out of New Jersey come, you know, this next season. So there's, there's a whole lot of nuance. I mean, I will say if somehow you get dinged on a four and I get off three out of one with no integrity at all, then I will. I will laugh all the way to the bank or I will make a withdrawal to pay more. It's but just, just typical out of the NCAA. That's yeah. all I'll say. It's normal stuff. Um, yep. Yeah. But so we, we still have our exhibition that will probably be secret. Um, that is going to be happening Friday. So we will know the results for next show remains to be seen if we will be sharing them. <laughs> have a feeling we might not but um but once virtual rosting gets a hold of them everyone's gonna know that's yeah i've i've already got a, a quote treat quote tweet prepared if he does decide to uh to break <laughs> that story um assuming that i get absolutely throttled but um yeah that's that's the show for this week um excited that the uh the heat check simulation is starting um yeah any final thoughts no just get ready we're coming for you. Get ready. Stay safe out there. We will see you next.